0: Hi, friends. This is episode 51 of the Bible Lab Podcast.
1: You are listening to the Bible Lab Podcast, recorded before a very lively audience on the campus of Loma Linda University. Here's your host, Roy Ice.
0: Hi, everybody. Thanks so much for joining us for another episode. I'll tell you, I hope you're ready because this episode, we laughed so much But we also brought ourselves to the point of tears. It really was a great range of of emotion that we went through during this session. I can't wait for you to go through it, too. I think it's going to be really meaningful as you look at what type of God we serve. I also want to remind you, please go to our website, thebiblelab.com. Make sure you get your study guide. You're going to want it for this one, definitely, as we go through Scripture and several of the questions and some of the words You're definitely going to want to either print that out or look at it on your tablet or computer, whatever device you're you're looking at as you go through this uh, audio session yourself. I also want you to begin thinking about the place that you live. You need to have a discussion like this with your Christian friends, and perhaps you can do it at your church. Perhaps you want to start a Bible lab at your home. We are more than willing to help go to our website, go to the contact page, and let us know that you want to start a Bible Lab experience in the town that you live in. And we're going to do everything that we can to help you get that started. In fact, we have about two dozen people who have volunteered from our Bible Lab in Loma Linda to help you out, to be a real tangible support. And we're putting that group together. They're praying about all the specific ways that God wants to make sure that you are supported where you are. So if you're feeling God's call on your heart, To start this type of conversation in your community, make sure that you contact us and we will get back with you and help you in every way that we can, because we want you to have your conversation, not just listen to ours. I can't wait for you to hear where this goes when you hear the incredible, infinite character of God in this session. It's going to change you and you will not be the same, so I can't wait. So sit back, relax, and welcome to the Bible Lab. you guys ready? All right, here we go. Number one, I'm a harder worker than the person sitting next to me. (laughs) Oh, look at this. Okay. So I'm seeing, I'm thinking about 40% no, maybe 45% maybe, and the rest, yes. Now, those of you holding the maybe cards, hold them up again. Hold up the maybe cards. Those of you who hold a maybe. Now, I want the people who are sitting next to a person who's holding up a maybe to understand this person is saying, yes, I actually work harder than you. I just really don't have the courage to get in a fight with you right now. We got to do lunch afterwards. I really want to just let's talk about something else. But please understand, they, they really do work harder than you in their own mind. All right, number two. If you don't work... You don't eat. Ah, look at this. Yes, this is what I expected. About 75% of you are saying yes. And it looks like an even split. Oh, actually, the yeses are a little bit more. Looks like about 15% yes and about 10% maybes. That's what I expected here. Why? Because this is a community built on personal success, isn't it? We are successful people. Some of you are not satisfied with just one doctorate. <laughs> some of you have multiple letters after your name. I have no idea what it is, because it not only has your, your doctorate degree letters, but then you're trying to fill out the alphabet afterwards with all your certifications. Now, some of you are okay. Uh, yeah, having a uh, having a, a medical doctor degree is okay, but I also need a PhD. I'm in an academic community and so you're very success driven you've worked to get where you are and you've earned the money you're earning right exactly so I'm not surprised to see the majority of you saying you don't work you don't eat but don't feel bad because I would have raised the yes too I see these guys with the cardboard sign we'll work for food I'm like we'll do it go do it <laughs> Prove it! <laughs> See those guys? I say, I absolutely agree. <laughs> Number three, before I get myself in too much trouble with those of you who I, I, I really want to honk. I really want to honk when the people stop and they, they're giving the money out the window to the guy standing on the corner. I really want to honk, but then I realize someone's going to recognize me and say, that is the meanest pastor I've ever seen. Let's go, let's go. I'm transparent. It's something I'm working on. I'm working on it. But trust me, you'll never have to honk at me for rolling down my window. Okay, moving on. Number three, we should all get paid the same regardless of our education, work ethic, or productivity. Oh, I gotcha. I gotcha. This is a sea of orange. I'm seeing no, 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 except for one socialist who's raising a baby. (laughs) I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. You're not a socialist. You just didn't understand the statement. Number four. I don't understand why God blesses some people who don't work as hard as me. I don't understand why God blesses some people who don't work as hard as me. It's taken you a long time to raise the cards on this one. But I'm seeing predominantly no. I'm seeing about 70% no, about 25% yes, and 5% say I have no idea what that statement means, so I'm holding up a maybe. Hmm. We'll talk about that because uh, it, it took you a while, and it's going to take us a while to unpack this as well because that's what Christ's kingdom tale is about today. We're going to talk about this. I don't understand why some people are blessed, and and they're not putting in the effort. I am working my fingers to the bone, and I'm just barely making it. It's really a challenge when you're on your knees, and you're praying, and you're saying, Lord, I think I'm doing everything I'm supposed to do. I I can't think of how I could be more productive, harder working, more connected with you, and yet I look over at this guy who is completely disconnected, and he is just overflowing. He doesn't know how to spend his money. Number five, God is unfair. Ah, look at this. I'm seeing uh, 75, almost 80% no. Yeah, about 80% no. And about 15% yes and 5% maybe. Okay. Number six, God is unfair. Some of you are laughing because you get it. This is the one we're going to talk about. You guys are saying, no, God is fair. God is fair. Everything God does is fair. We're going to come back to this at the end. We're going to have you vote again. I'm not saying you're wrong. I'm just saying you have the wrong card up. Um, (laughs) This is one of the things that, even in Christ's day, and we still haven't figured it out today. Two thousand years later, we haven't figured out God is not fair. God is not fair. For years, I've said, if God was fair, and it was an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth, we'd all be blind and eating baby food. God's not fair. That's the challenge of today's kingdom tale. When you get down to the end, you're going to try to figure out, so how does this make God fair? And I'm going to tell you right now, you're not going to be able to package that and put a nice little bow on it today. Because the thing that troubled the disciples, it troubled the people that heard Christ's kingdom tale that we're going to go into today, was that God is not fair. And we're going to see how and why today. And to get there, I want to ask you a question. What are some of the things that get you to grumble the most in your workplace? What are some of the things that get you to grumble the most in your workplace? Who's going to start us out? Comment cards or question cards at this time? And get your love it cards ready. If it's something that you also deal with in your workplace, raise a love it card. Can we say someone? Uh, You can say someone, but just don't say that someone's name. Yeah, you're looking around, aren't you? Yeah. (laughs) All right, red mic. Okay, so there's someone is my principal. There's someone is your principal. I'm sorry, that red mic's not working today. Maybe we can switch that out. That someone is your principal. Okay. Anybody else? Yes. And, and, and while I'm moving this mic, what what is it that they do that gets you to grumble? Very negative. very negative person. All right. Sure.
1: I don't like it because I can't read while I'm working. When I was... Had little kids, I had a big dictionary stand, and I would put a book on it, Mm -hmm. and I would uh, read two pages, and then dry my hands and read two pages more. I turn the page, but now I've got a dishwasher.
0: Yeah, (laughs) you're talking about working at home. It would no. Yeah, (laughs) Michael.
1: I'm a lawyer by profession,
2: and I've often thought that it'd be much easier to practice law if I didn't have to deal with clients. Wouldn't it? (laughs) (laughs) Wouldn't
0: it? And I've heard I
2: represent a lot of physicians, and I've heard them say the practice of medicine be a lot easier if we didn't have to deal with patients.
0: Yeah, and that, and I've heard also that that's why they call them patients,
3: because
0: that's what you're working on. Exactly. Uh, People that dump on you, people that dump on you, Uh, like verbally dump like all their trouble, or or what do you mean? Uh,
1: Dump all the things that they don't like to do, they dump it on somebody else. Oh, all the tasks
0: that they don't like to do. They, they call it delegation, <laughs> <laughs> but we call it dumb. No, wait. Sandy.
3: Um, I would say as a, a retired professor, it would be um, entitled students who feel like a B is an F.
0: <laughs> yes. You know, when you said entitled students, did you hear the ooh through this crowd? Can we tell we we're on, on a university campus or what? Exactly. Back here.
3: My workplace is my home, so what makes me grumble is when the weight of the work is not spread evenly, and uh, maybe a teenage boy who shall be unnamed, unnamed, yes, doesn't feel like doing any chores. <laughs> you know, that that it's makes really you grumble. Really grumble.
0: I yeah. uh, I can understand that. Aj,
4: everyone who is less productive than me. And everyone who's more productive than me. (laughs) (laughs) So
0: (laughs) if you knew what I was editing, you'd be so proud. Yes, back here.
5: Um, Following up on this lady over here, I just wanted to say that the value of the woman at home is quite discounted in our culture.
0: You're absolutely correct, Marilyn. I, uh, my wife and I never have this argument of who's working harder, um, <laughs> because we know, we know. We're both working really hard. And honey, I hope you're listening to this recording. But no, seriously, if I had to do what my wife does daily and on a weekly basis, that would drive me to being a pastor. Um. (laughs) and my wife as well she knows if she had to do what I have to do she sees what I have to do I see what she has to do we both work really hard and we don't want that trading spaces experience because we know we're not built for that I'm not built for what my wife does and she's not built for what I do and uh, fortunately we get to do what we're built for
2: exactly Um, as an accountant um I have access to records that are usually private. And in doing audits and work from very early on after graduating from school, what always bothered me was looking at payroll Mm -hmm. and seeing task and the accomplishment of task being done by different individuals in an equal manner, Mm -hmm. but serious pay differences. Yeah. Very serious pay difference. Yeah. You got another grown I don't know the same if, work.
0: I don't know if people are relating
2: here, but and it seems like it's bothered me deeply. Yeah. So in industry I worked for 10 years and then I came to work for the church. <laughs> Can we just stop right there? <laughs> actually, actually because the church has a standardized system. Yes. That for job title, this is the pay. Mm-hmm. No matter male, female, or you know what you do. Mm-hmm. It was actually much more equitable yes. in pay than industry is. Yes. The difference in the church, though, was they didn't make sure that all performed at the same level. Yeah. Yeah. Whereas in industry, they're looking to see if you perform at the same level. Exactly. But the payroll in the church was very equitable, even from Pastors on, you know, no matter what your role, the difference between the general conference president and a pastor is not that dramatically different yeah. compared to what you look at the the, the, the chairman of IBM yeah. versus a line worker. Yeah. The, the church is very equitable. So that I appreciated about working in the church.
0: Yeah, exactly. I've, I have from time to time... Um, you know, we have openings at this church. We have 16 pastors at, at this church. And from time to time, I have pastors that say, Hey, will you get my name on the list? And what I want to say is, Will you do what we had to do to get here? To get on the list. Uh, I can put you on a list, but you're never going to make it through unless you've done what we've all had to do to get here. Because in order to get here, we had to work. We had to be productive in other areas. And the church here is saying, Can you scale it up? And so. You're you're right. There's individuals in 75-member churches who are getting paid exactly the same as me in a 6,500-member church. Um, And that, to many, uh, really begins a rub, so you can't look at the finances. To me, my greatest reward is this. I get to do this. My my colleagues don't get to do this. My colleagues dream of this, and I say, put in the work, and God will bless, and God will, God will grow uh, where you live. Exactly. Richard, red mic.
3: In my work in, in the distribution of the veggie products, I deal with about 400 to 500 clients. And I try to treat them all as number one, but all of them think that they're number one. They don't care about the rest of my schedule. Yeah. And so. You know with things happening on the road like breakdowns mechanical weather issues of getting sent to places i've never been to that take longer like mm-hmm. going through downtown chinatown with a mm-hmm. big semi truck <laughs> and so on uh, it gets crazy you know but one of the biggest problems is if people don't return my phone calls when i really need it yeah it's a big problem
4: yeah
0: Exactly.
3: All right, two more comments. One here,
0: back here. I'm sorry, start one more time. (laughs) He said brown nosers and troublemakers. Yes, exactly, which a lot of times they're both, aren't they, yes. And last comment over here.
3: Is this one? Yes, it is. Uh, Two things, one, uh, I work with about 70 colleagues, all of whom are considered to be equal. Yes. Some assignments are far more preferred than others. And it's very upsetting when some of my colleagues either can't or won't do the least favored assignments, screw them up so badly that they get a more favorable one, so that others have to do the less favorable one. Mm. And the other one is... When you get one of those less favored assignments or one that you don't want, not accepting it gracefully, but getting really argumentative and upset. Yes. New topic on question number five, to paraphrase Oscar Wilde, God is not fair, and perhaps it's a good thing for most of us, that he is not. Absolutely, absolutely,
0: very good. All right, I I see some other hands, I I apologize. We are going to uh, go through the filter of scripture, and then, trust me, you'll have plenty of time to grumble about grumblers. after after the text, because this is what it's about. Now, Christ tells a parable. It's the only place in all of scripture that this parable is found. This is unique to Matthew. You can't find it in Mark, Luke, or John. Here we go. Christ said, for the kingdom of heaven is like a landowner who went out early in the morning to hire workers for his vineyard. He agreed to pay them a denarius for the day and sent them into his vineyard. About nine in the morning, he went out and saw others standing in the marketplace doing nothing. Verse 4, he told them, you also go and work in my vineyard, and I will pay you whatever is right. So they went. He went out again about noon and about three in the afternoon and did the same thing. About five in the afternoon, he went out and found still others standing around. He asked them, Why have you been standing here all day long doing nothing? Because no one has hired us, they answered. He said to them, you also go and work in my vineyard. When evening came, the owner of the vineyard said to his foreman, call the workers and pay them their wages, beginning with the last ones hired and going on to the first. The workers who were hired about five in the afternoon came and each received a denarius. So when those came who were hired first, they expected to receive more. But each one of them also received a denarius. When they received it, they began to grumble against the landowner. Verse 12, these who were hired last worked only one hour, they said, and you have made them equal to us who have borne the burden of the work and the heat of the day. But he answered one of them, All right, let's discuss this. What bothers you about this parable? How do we typically apply this within the church? What bothers you about this parable and how do we typically apply this? Who's gonna start us out? What bothers you? How about down here? Randy needs a microphone right here. Thank you.
3: It's very prodigal son-esque. Yes, in what way? It, it, It hits you in the gut because The brother who was faithful, he didn't get a feast, and the prodigal son, he squanders away the money, and he comes home groveling for just a menial job, and the father throws him a feast, wraps his robe around him, and puts his ring on his finger. What about the brother who, who was faithful the whole time?
0: Exactly. In fact, that's what the prodigal son's brother says. What about me? What about me? This isn't fair. And what does, in the prodigal son, what does the father respond to the brother? He was lost, now he's found. It's not fair. Absolutely not fair. Back here. I'm going to have you say it again, only in this microphone. Here we go. Might check those batteries in there.
4: I notice verse four says you will be paid what is right. Ah. Oh. However, are the people grumbling because they didn't get more, or are they grumbling because the later people did not get less? What do you
0: think? Why are they grumbling? Why is it unfair? This is this is the gist of this parable. Can I walk you through some details here, the fine print? And so after we see the fine print, maybe that'll help us try to wrestle through what Jesus is saying here about the character of God. In the fine print we see in verse one, Jesus starts out by saying, early one morning. Something you need to understand about that is that was actually a classic idiom. An idiom that basically meant the same time with early dawn. In other words the sun has not come up yet. It's the farmer's clock, right? You're up so early that the only reason why you know it's morning is because the eastern sky is beginning to bleach a little bit and get lighter than the western sky. And so it's very early when the first workers are standing next to Home Depot (laughs) and the landowner comes up and says, I'm looking for workers. These guys got out there before the sun came up. They got ready for work while it was still dark. And they showed up and they said, we are serious about this thing. We're here to work. And so the very first crew sacrificed sleep in order to be there and to prove I'm here to work for a full day's wage. Then in verses 3, 5, and 6, It uses the phrase standing in the marketplace. It's common practice. I jokingly said Home Depot a second ago, but um, this was the common practice where employees and, and workers would meet. You can still see this today. Next to Home Depot, next to hardware stores, certain places in town, you know if you need something done, you go there and there are guys standing around. One of them speaks enough English to be able to barter a price. You hire them. They come, they work, and the next day they'll be back out at the same place if you're done with them, okay? It was a common practice in Christ's day as well. Then, a denarius. They're offered a denarius. A denarius was regarded as good pay for a day's work. It was the pay of a Roman soldier in Christ's time when he's saying this. If you're a Roman soldier, this is your daily wage. And... It, in almost every case where the word occurs in the New Testament is connected with the idea of a liberal or large amount. And you can compare with the verses that I have there in the study guide. He says to the next groups, starting with not the first group, but the next group, he says, I'm going to pay you whatever's right, is, is how we translate it. But um, the actual word there, hoi en e uh, kaion it means whatever's fair, okay? Not anything that the landowner pleased, not what he was willing to give, but just a proportionate wage. I'll give you something that, when, we're, when I pay you, you'll be like, oh yeah, that's great. Wow, that's, that's good. Verse 11, payday happens, and the people who were paid later. A big question that commentators wrestle with is, why did the landowner pay The last worker's first and the first worker's last. Because he could have easily said, those of you who worked first, come, get your denarius. They would have gotten paid and left and never grumbled. They would have been happy. Why is it that he made a point of saying, if you came here last, you're you're first in line? Because I want all the people behind you to see how much I'm paying you. He did it on purpose. And so, of course, the people grumbled. In Greek, the word is agogazon, which is, uh, it's onomatopoeia. You know, things crash, bang, boom, pow, all the Batman words, right? Those are onomatopoeia, where the word sounds similar to the action or the, the thing. Well, in their, in their day, they would say agogazon, 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 which means grumble, grumble, grumble. Our word grumble is actually onomatopoeia, because it sounds like grumble, 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 grumble. Okay? Murmur is also another murmur, murmur, murmur. It's it's a word that sounds like the action that you're talking about. So, ego, gazon. It was the very first Lego, my ego. Ego, gazon. (laughs) They're grumbling. So, they're there grumbling. And then in verse 14, he says, look, aren't I allowed to do whatever I want with my money? It's my money. It's not your money. If I want to be generous with these people, what's it to you? So he says, I can do what I want. Hothelo. This phrase is the entire point of Christ's parable. The will of God. What does God want to do? He says, I can do whatever I want. So the ultimate question is, what does the landowner want? Because the landowner is equated with God's character. So if you know what the landowner wants, you know what God wants. That's why this is the crux of the entire parable. and We'll come back to that. And he asks, now we translate it, are are you jealous? Because it's an idiomatic phrase. Is your eye evil, is what they actually said in the literal translation. Is your eye evil? They had the evil eye, they had the good eye. If you want to see the comparison of that, go back to Matthew 6, when Christ talks about the eye being the lamp of the body. If the eye is good, it'll be light. If it's bad, if you have an evil eye, it'll be darkness. And so he uses that phrase and he says, is your eye evil? The idea is the same, envy being indicated by the look of the eye. They use this phrase also in places of you kind of looking off to the side. It's a sideways glance. It's the it's that look like this isn't fair. You get the look, okay? Us men know about the look, okay. <laughs> Your wife says, in response to you, hey, how you doing? Your wife says, fine. You realize there's 572 meanings to the word fine, okay? And maybe today's 73, okay. Um, If a woman says fine, look out, okay? Because it's anything but. Um, You have to translate the word fine with the look. Are you getting the evil eye, guys? Because if it's fine with the evil eye, it ain't fine, okay? So... So Christ uses this phrase, these people are giving him the evil eye. This isn't fair. So there's some problems with this parable. So I want us to talk it through. I'm going to ask two questions at the same time. You guys uh, wrestle with them uh, in any order that you want. But seeing the fine print now, what are the greatest challenges in applying this kingdom tale? It's hard to apply this one. And secondly, what are the issues that arise by implementing God's generosity in this way. Who's gonna start us off? Who's over here? Right here, yes.
5: I see this as a parable for salvation, because um, some people feel, um, maybe if we aren't careful, we feel badly if someone is good all their lives and they feel saved. But then someone uh, waits till the last moment of their life, and they've lived a horrible life, and they are still safe. So mm-hmm. we have to be careful mm-hmm. of that. I think that's a parable for that.
0: Yeah. We, we tend to come down to uh, a person lives some way and then dies, and then a person lives another way and then dies. Uh, I, I think the real challenge is a person lives a certain way. And I think we have more problem with a person living a certain way and claiming the salvation you're talking about and a person not living that way just living half-hearted and receiving salvation as well I think that's where it really begins to, to rub a lot of us back here oh. right
6: when I when I first became an Adventist I uh, gave up truck driving and I went to work at a psychiatric hospital which is owned by the church pretty much the same same almost the same job, thing yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, it's like the, uh, but you don't get to do therapy with Same people driving by and, in yeah. a way. <laughs> um, but uh, the hospital was being sold, and as it was being sold, they 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 wanted a lot of people to stay there. So they offered a bonus to all the people who would stay till the new hospital was bought. And so um, it went on a lot longer than people thought. Hmm. And so this bonus, I, I think it might have been like fifteen hundred dollars, uh, ended up um, being paid to people who had just started working there. Even mm-hmm. though they knew it was going to be sold, but they also were all going to get it, and so everybody was really mad, yeah. really, really upset about that. And so um, I happen to know this parable, so I wasn't upset. Uh, so <laughs> I just said, "Hey, I'm, I'm going to get 1,500," and I stayed. I'm, I'm, I'm good with that. And of course, it was an. I don't know, uh, but anyway, they grumbled enough that the um, the the people of the church they increased our bonus and mm-hmm. paid the same bonus to the other people. So the other people got mm-hmm. the original, but we got even more because we had stayed there longer. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that would be the problem, uh, not understanding <laughs> generosity when we look at the parable. It's not, I don't think, just about salvation, mm-hmm. because he's talking to Peter, at the beginning the, when this starts out, and Peter says, what are we gonna get that we've given up all? Mm-hmm. And um, he says, well, you're gonna be able to sit on the 12 thrones judging the 12 tribes, right. But um, he says um, that uh, everybody's gonna have this. The first will be last, the last will be first. Mm-hmm. And I think the idea is that don't be jealous of generosity, of God's generosity. Everybody who receives more than you now in this life and in the life to come. So we, we'll see people who have more than us and it doesn't seem fair, but it's God just being generous to them and we shouldn't be jealous. So there's, it's a twofold, uh, mm-hmm. I think, meaning in there.
0: I I absolutely agree. And thank you, because what you've done is you brought in context. Those of you who have your Bibles or your Bible apps open, you, you might be scrolling back before this parable, because you know what we do. We have to read Scripture in context. And part of the context is, what are the verses before it and after it, to see how does this sit? Because even though we have chapter markers, when Matthew was writing this, he didn't say, next chapter, and begin writing with verse 1. No, it's a stream of consciousness. And so as you look back at it, just because we have a chapter beginning here with verse 1, when you look at the chapter before it, what's it about? In fact, if you look at the verse just before this, what's the phrase? The, last will be first, or the first will be last, and the last will be first. It's backwards. Um, So obviously, the conversation that happened just before this leads us into why Matthew puts this parable here, because it's still part of the same conversation. And if you keep going back and you see what's the incident that led Jesus into talking to his disciples about these 12 thrones and about giving up uh, things in order to be first, you have to be last in your mind. You have to be the most generous. Um, What's the event? Did someone come up to Jesus and ask him something to get Jesus talking about this? Who? Who? Before that. Rich, young ruler. Okay, he comes up and what's his question? What must I do to inherit the kingdom? So Jesus is responding to a question. What must I do to have part of your kingdom? Salvation. What must I do? It's interesting because Jesus always answers the question the way he wished it was asked. Not necessarily the way the question is asked. The man asks, what must I do? Jesus, trying to show him his perspective, says, well, you've got to turn things around. You are a rich, young ruler. I need you to be a poor, old follower. That's what I need. I need maturity. Because right now you're first. You're first in everything. You're rich. You're first. You're young. You're first. You're ruler. I need you to be last. Why? You can tell why. What's the young man's response? He walks away disappointed. Why is he disappointed? Because in Christ's kingdom, the first are last. And he's worked really hard to be first. He's earned it. You don't become rich by not earning it. You don't become a ruler unless you earned it. I heard someone say, yeah, you do, over here. We do have trust fund babies, I know. But to be a rich, young ruler, to be young and a ruler, we know this because Paul, Paul was a young, the youngest of all of the Sanhedrin, 19 years old, part of the conference leadership. How did he get there? He earned it. That's why he was so confident in what he did. Why does the rich, young ruler walk away? Because it hasn't been handed to him. Because he had to earn it. And he would be giving away everything that he ever worked for. So Jesus has a conversation with a rich young ruler, and he says, "Look, the first, uh, the the last, the last, the first. You got to think about things differently. You need to be generous." And then he tells a parable: If you want to be part of God's kingdom, you have to be part of God's character. And God's character is not about keeping. God's character is about giving. The entire crux of this parable comes down to God saying, I will do what I want to do with my money. And what do I want to do? I want to give it all away. And as long as your mindset is, I better keep it, protect it, save it, squirrel it away, you don't have the character of God. Because God's character is extreme, irresponsible generosity. Back here.
5: I can't agree more with what you said, Pastor. Good, you can stay. (laughs) (laughs) I believe we are judging this as unfair because we are looking at it on a point of view of humans, or a human point of view, wherein Mm -hmm. we are so egoistic, as you said. Mm -hmm. We look at our own benefits, and we want to get the most of every opportunity regardless, whereas God
4: operates on love.
0: Absolutely, absolutely. was a microphone right here.
1: Um, well, I look at it a little bit different. Uh, okay. I've been a Christian all my life, mm-hmm. and uh, I've had a very good life. Mm-hmm. I've looked at people that were not particularly Christian who lived the good life, mm-hmm. and what did they end up with? The they ended life. up where they couldn't breathe. Mm-hmm. They've ended up where they uh, have pain and dis- mm-hmm. disability, and I say, well, now, was it, did I sacrifice, or did they sacrifice? Mm. You look at the prodigal son. How many of us would like to be in a pig's pen, eating the gruel that the pigs eat? Mm. So who really had the better life? Mm. And uh, as I look at it, you see uh, most of us probably have prayed for somebody mm-hmm. uh, for years. Yeah. And uh, maybe on their deathbed, they accept Christ. Am I angry at them because they accepted Christ? They had all that time when they get out and play around and they accept it at the last minute? And I've been a Christian all my life. No, I'm thrilled by it. Just like the thief on the cross. We should thrill at the fact that at the last moment, he accepted Christ.
0: I love that. Because you get to the heart of the greatest distraction of the church. Many people are here in church for what they get. I have sacrificed. I come to church. Even though I'm tired, I don't stay at home. I go to church, and I've been here all my life so that I might receive salvation. And then you have another group of people that say, I'm so glad I'm a part of church because it allows me to go out to fulfill why I am part of this movement. My payment is not that I get a mansion in heaven. My payment is really a bonus that I can refer to the people in my sphere of influence I can refer to God as my best friend. That is the greatest reward. Heaven heaven's just this extra thing, okay? The greatest reward is that you get to go out as an ambassador for Christ. The greatest reward is not heaven. Heaven's great. That's awesome. No more pain, no more sickness, no more death. He'll wipe away all our, all our tears. Hey, that's, that's great. That's a great benefit. But that's not why we're here. We're not here to get ourselves to heaven. Christ has already paid us more than we need to. He's already saying, if you choose me, you're going to heaven. So now what? You're living like you're paid for. You already know you have heaven. So now what? If you're secure, and this is the problem with most conservative movements. We are so insecure with our own salvation that we're distracted from the salvation of others around us. Because we're so concerned that we have not yet worked out our salvation. And because of that, we spend all of our time trying to polish a diamond that doesn't need polishing. We're meant to be rough around the edges. Look at the disciples. Christ didn't spend his time trying to polish them. He spent his time trying to prepare them. And that's why we're here. Thank you for bringing that up. Over here. Yes.
5: Um, I don't want to read too much into the individual words in the verse, but I find it very interesting that it says um, that he went out and found still others. Mm-hmm. And then he asked them, why have you been standing here all day long doing nothing? And they said, because no one has hired us. Yes. And it makes me think that, you know, a lot, I think I, when I originally read this, I would have thought, well, it's not fair, they're being lazy, they didn't get up at the crack of dawn to make sure they got hired, but yeah. it indicates they had been there waiting to be hired. And as somebody who works sometimes where I'm under salary and sometimes where I'm paid per, you know, productivity. Yeah. Um, you know, if you're paid to be on call or something, you feel lucky when, you know, there's not much work to do and you're like, well, I got paid to be on call. Yeah. But if you have, like, a ton of work and then this other person who's also on call doesn't have as much. Yeah. But you, um, so I guess I just, I don't want to feel, like, resentful of others or feel resentful, um, like, just toward the people in this story yeah. um, because they were there looking to be hired and they... Had to be found. I love
0: it. I'm so glad you brought that up because I had the same question. I was like, what? It, you know, they have an excuse. So I did a whole word study on that whole phrase. Uh, that's what I do during the week, just in case you're wondering. Um, <laughs> because I was like, yeah, what's, what's, they were there. He just didn't hire him. Most commentators say that they said it and then they realized it's not a valid excuse because he had come there multiple times looking for workers. Had they wanted work, they would have been there when he came, and he came multiple times. So when he asked them, why are they idle? Why are they standing around? Their excuse was flippant because they had not been there. So what does he do in response? Does he call them liars? Say, I've been here. I've been, Where were you? No, he doesn't. He ignores it the same way he ignores us when we come late uh, in life to, to come and say, okay, God, I'm, I'm willing to serve you. You know, I've, I've been willing all my life. He doesn't say, no, you haven't. It's too late. I've given you all these chances. You just never showed up to work. He doesn't say that. He just says, great, you're ready to work now. I'll put you to work now. There's only one hour of work, but come on. So the interesting thing is most commentators say those people were not there until then. And yet God's character says, I don't care, you're here now, let's go to work. So it's, it's fortunately it doesn't link up to what happens in our, our world, in our real occupational world, because otherwise we can get really upset. But, um, but yeah, many commentators have, have dealt with that. Next microphone was, back here in the back,
4: yes. Yes, uh, being a, a Catholic, m- most of my youth, I um, learned that you have basically to earn salvation mm-hmm. to, by doing these kind of sacrifices throughout your life. So it wasn't a given thing. it was uh, You have to earn it. Mm-hmm. So I really learned that after becoming a Christian, born again Christian, I realized that uh, whatever I do doesn't matter, because like you just said, Jesus pay the price for us to go to heaven. Mm -hmm. All I have to do is believe. My work that I do is just because I'm a grateful servant of the Lord, Mm -hmm. and I'm just gonna do what I have to do to reach others, not because I want my crown full of jewels Mm -hmm. one day, but it's because I love the Lord Mm -hmm. for what he did to me, and that now I'm doing it in response of his love to me. Mm -hmm. Uh, And also, we always, as humans, uh, we sometimes wonder, oh, like when we were little, oh, my brother got this shirt my mom gave to him. Why? And she didn't give it to me. (laughs) So we always are worried about what the next person is getting instead of saying, oh, I'm blessed for what I got.
0: I, I love what you brought up because a lot of us look at this life as uh, levels of success. What level is there beyond salvation in heaven? What, what's next? Because there are people who try to then build layers. Um, there's a hierarchy of individuals in heaven, and if you don't do this, and they keep drawing more and more lines. It's heresy. I, I can't find it anywhere in Scripture. There's nothing greater than salvation. There's nothing greater than heaven, and it's not the place. The place is awesome, but there's nothing greater than being with God forever, saved from a sinful, painful world. There's nothing greater. I mean, what, what more could you wish for? You can't. You're not going to compare mansions, well, you got two more square feet than me. If you do, we'll be looking around saying, how did you get here?
3: Go back here. I agree with the last person. That's sort of what I wanted to say. Uh, God is not necessarily fair in the human mind, but he's gracious and merciful. Yes. Yes. But the other issue here is number two, if you don't work, you don't eat. Hmm. I worked most of my life, and all of a sudden, one day, my legs gave out, and I was paralyzed you didn't take that into consideration mm. there are people that can't work yeah so we shouldn't eat no more
0: mm. <laughs> mm. you bring up a great point point. and i hope you understand I, I got hurt on that one yeah i i hope you understand uh, a lot of a lot of times i caricature statements just to push us now the question is this People around us are going
3: hungry. What's the responsibility of the church? The Bible says that God gave people money and made them rich so they could help those that can't help themselves. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's written.
0: Absolutely. So I, the, 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 the challenge with brevity is it's always heresy because I can't tell you everything. Now, I have a hard time with individuals standing on street corners who could work. Who could work but I also understand there are individuals who have tried and they can't work you guys have no idea how many phone calls and emails I get every week and I don't publicize the people that I help every week why because none of your business (laughs) because it would change the perspective of what we're called to do and it would change the perspective of well I didn't have an opportunity so maybe God doesn't trust me to be generous and and help people um, my, my son was in the car, this is two, three weeks ago, right, a.m. p.m., right there on the corner of California and, and uh, Redlands Boulevard. A lady and a, uh, and a young man have no gas. She's going person to person. I see her going person to person to person to person. Now, I don't give out cash, but I do take care of people's needs. I'll, I'll hey, go ahead, order what you're going to. Just, I'll come behind you and, and, uh, and pay. I do that a ton. I want my boys to see this is what God called us to do. But I don't hand out cash because my first couple of years of ministry, uh, I got burned too many times. But I do take care of people's needs. So at the AMPM, PM, girl says, we need gas. I said, okay. How much you need? Oh, just 20 bucks. <laughs> Put in my, uh, my card, punch in my code. Say, go ahead. She fills it. I have on my watch, it tells me how much it was, $45 and something. Oh, wow. They're still there. They're still there. I could say something about it. I could get upset, whatever. I waved and I said, hope you get where you're going. Okay, 45 bucks. So I want to help people, and I will help people with stuff. But I think the one thing God also calls to be, be as wise as serpents, but don't forget the second part. Even when you're bit, still be gentle as doves. It's not life-changing money. It, 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 It didn't change my world. It didn't make me feel too good about those people. But what does it mean to have the heart of Christ? What does it mean to love people? It means you know you're going to be taken advantage of and you can't stop doing it. It means you know people are going to absolutely con you, and you just can't stop loving. Why? Because the more you have the character of God, the more you have the heart of God, you have to act like God. And God says people that will never earn it, people that will never even say thank you will take advantage of you. People will receive the same as those that are working hard, and they don't do anything for it. The question is this. Does that cause us to stop trying to enact the character of God. It can't. Because Christ himself, who healed thousands of people, healed entire towns, hung on a cross and looked down and where were all those people? Where were they? He changed the world. And the most generous act that he did was to go through the pain of the cross to pay the price for every man, woman, and child, whether they came and showed up and gave him support or not. Why? Because Christ is unfair. His generosity is unfair. And he's gonna pay us what he wants to pay us. And you know what he wants to pay us? Eternal life. And all you have to do is accept that eternal life and start living like you're paid for. And everything changes from there. Wow. I don't know if that hits you as hard as it hits me, but what a generous God who's paid for you. He's paid for me. Now we can just live like we're paid for and spend all of our energy going out and telling all of our friends, our family, our loved ones, That salvation is available for them, too, from a loving God who is infinitely generous. Now, that was an amazing conversation that we had there, but I have to tell you, this next one got even better. As we took a look at a parable that we thought we knew and we thought we understood, but once we dug into the language, the culture, the context, we realized, have we ever read this before? It's the parable of the Ten Bridesmaids. And I cannot wait for you to hear it. So please come back for the next episode so we can continue growing closer and understanding this infinite character of God.
1: Thank you for listening to the Bible Lab Podcast. If you're planning a trip to Southern California, make sure to reserve your VIP seats in the Bible Lab by emailing us at info at com. Programs are recorded each Saturday at 10.30 a.m. We hope to see you soon. Until then, we wish you God's richest blessings as you continue to research and develop the character of God.